Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Random. Berto is your host. Thank you so kindly for being part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. Why is that? Because we have a lot of ground to cover. Let me see what we got here. Welcome aboard. Wide awake. Welcome aboard Lee Grant. Welcome aboard Eric Hayes. Bridge MCP. Melanie Keelan from Barcelona, Spain. We also have in the house Paul Fleming Sr. and of course AVQL Senor Rudnan. How are my peeps doing today? I trust everybody is doing fine. We're going to have a great show for you today. Anyhow, uh, one little story here. Little story here. I am. Um, I woke up this uh, yesterday morning, and I, you know, I could see far from with both eyes, but there was something with the left eye, and I noticed I couldn't read with the left eye. You know, I mean, uh, every, the, the characters were kind of interesting, etc. But the right eye was working perfectly. You guys know I just had cataract surgery, replaced both lens and both eyes. And uh, I was a bit concerned. So, um, you know, I went ahead and started. Put, I, I had a feeling it was going to be some swelling. That's what it was. I had a feeling. So I went ahead and put some of that stuff in the eyes. Uh, you know, the steroid uh, and thing that they gave me to put in the eye. I figured, let me go ahead and do that just in case until I can get an appointment. Got up this morning early, made an appointment after my show and workout. And I got in there. And by gosh, at first, everything looked great in both eyes. They, oh, it's healing great. But I but look, I can't see well through the left eye. I can't read through the left eye. So they put me through another machine. And that machine said that, in effect, my retina, cornea, retina, my retina was swollen. So I have to go see a retinitis or whatever you call a retina specialist, where they're probably going to give me a hell of a lot of analgesic to fix that backside. I just thought I might tell that story so that everybody knows why. If you see my reading is suspect, I got dilated today. They put a whole lot of those drops that open up your pupils and keeps it open. So right now I'm like on big eyes, all the lights are bright. And when I read, <laughs> you know how that goes. But the thing about it is since I got back, the left eye, the swelling must have started to go down because the left eye is starting to read better than it read yesterday and this morning. Of course, the right eye is doing just fine. Anyhow, we got a great show for you today. Let's see if there's anything I need to cover before I get to the first video. The first video kind of covers a big chemical fire that occurred here in the Houston area. And this doctor that I spoke to, she was concerned. Well, I'm going to let you, I'm going to play the video now. And then uh, as you guys listen, we can get busy thereafter. So here we go with LVDO. Hey, I just rhymed, buddy. Carl Cox, welcome aboard. Uh, I think I, I saluted Lee Grant and Wide Awake already. So here we go. Welcome to another edition of Politics and Random Events. your host today. We're honored to have Dr. Donna Kim Murphy, MD, PhD. She is a neuroscientist, neurologist, community organizer, and also historian of science, race, immigration, poverty. She is a real activist in the field where we need activists. And I came across a message that she had on Twitter requesting information. And I said, this is something that we probably should jump on to. So first of all, welcome to Politics Done Right. Donna, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing all right. How are you doing at Gordon? I am doing great. I'm doing great as usual. You are always doing something in the community to make the lives better for people. Tell us something that you've discovered, and this seems to have affected you personally, your family, personal. Let's go ahead and talk about that. Sure. Um, so I realized, I guess, a few weeks ago that for myself, I've had some menstrual irregularities that are very out of the ordinary for myself. And um, this is not something that people generally talk about very publicly. Um, but within a household, I imagine that if you have more than one woman, that that conversation does ensue. And I have two young women in my household other than myself. Um, and so I asked my daughters, actually, if they had also noticed any irregularities. Um, all of us actually are generally very regular. And I actually have been regular for over a decade. Um, and so this was really um, uncharacteristic for me. Um, I didn't really know what explained it. Um, thought it was maybe just me until the, and then I conferred with both of my children. And both of them attested to a change in the last month, um, which then suggested to me there was some kind of exposure that we had, whether it was like a new chemical cleaning product or agent that was being used in our household. It was something new that we were maybe consuming, um, something that was at least true of, um, of our household. But then it occurred also that it could be broader than that, right? This exposure could be broader than that. And so I started asking other women in our community, just in the neighborhood, down the street. Um, and it seemed without any prompting, right? I just asked, may I ask you a kind of weird question? Have you noticed any menstrual ir ir irregularities in the context of having generally been regular? Um, and I had a bunch of women tell me, well, that's a really weird question because yes, something has happened in the last month. Um, and so then that further suggested that there was an environmental exposure. I'm not sure what that is, right? But it, it was something temporally correlated to, um, you know, having happened in early May, probably. Um, and I, I thought about what happened in the last month. And the only thing I could I could think of and then I corroborated was that early May was the time of a chemical fire in Deer Park. Right. And um, there may have been there probably have been other things that have happened in that time in that window. Um, I'm, and I'm just not aware of those things. Right. And I want to be really clear that this is super uh, preliminary, right? Like the association. That's why I wanted to actually put um, a survey out there to see if there are other women in our community and how, what is, what is the extent to which people, a geographic extent to which people are reporting these kinds of abnormalities recently. Um, I was concerned because in that fire in particular, um, what we were hearing in the media was that there were hundreds of chemicals that were released into the air. But the one that was of major concern was this chemical called 1,3-butadiene, which is a known carcinogen. Um, and it actually Actually does cause reproductive toxicity. And so, you know, that those are really serious implications and they're very long-term implications. Um, things that we might not know are related, right? Um, unless we're tracking that over time. Right, right. So I to, yeah. I wanted to kind of jump on that early to see, are there people out there who would be willing to share a little bit of information about themselves because they have an interest in seeing if something does develop over time? Now, uh, you, you, I think you created a, a Google survey that you're asking folks to share so that people will be able to fill it out and tell their stories if they've noticed these types of irregularities since May have, after having been regular without problems. And also, I think uh, not on birth control or something to that effect. Correct. 
Yeah. The reason I added that, and it was difficult to word, and I think it's confused some people. Um, I, I, in talking to folks, there are many women who are actually on some form of birth control, right? Whether it's like an intrauterine device that is hormonal, um, or it's actually um, something that's inserted into the arm that's hormonal or oral birth control pills. People, lots of women are on these different kinds of um, uh, birth control. And so they don't actually have a regular period. But what they have noticed is that Oh, they haven't had a period in 10 years, but in the last month, they've had some spotting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is unusual for them, right? And that also suggests something has happened um, that is maybe the same thing, the same exposure that those of us who do have periods regularly have also experienced. So I, I imagine then uh, the wording has to be that you just need to know if they are regular based on how, whether they, they are on, that you want the information from everybody, but you also want to be able to correlate that you are on birth control or you're not on birth control. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's a question I should just explicitly ask. The reason I didn't ask it is because of kind of the politicized nature of that question. So I wanted people to kind of self-select whether they wanted to fill out the survey. And, you know, if they've noticed any change, whether normally they don't have a period and now they are having a period, there are also women who have had hysterectomies, right? And so they wouldn't count because they don't have periods at all and they cannot have periods. Right. And and also I should be um, inclusive as I can be. And so I tried to, I don't know if I worded it there ultimately in this way, but my intention was to really be inclusive of people in terms of their gender identity who might not identify as being women, but they mm-hmm. do have periods as well. So it's really about people who have periods or who don't have periods as a function of being on some kind of birth control, but have seen a, a change. Over the last, since, yeah. since that May period in time. I think that is important because a lot of things occur in our society and our environment that goes unnoticed or, or, or go un, unexplained or they don't report on, on it, but it does affect people. And we have to be cognizant of all these particular issues. And it's great that you did that. Now about this chemical, what is it called? Butane? 1,3-butadiene. Uh, 1,3-butadiene. Do you know if this is something that's long lasting? Does it stay in the bloodstream for a long time? Does it stay in the environment for a long time? Does it stay in the soils and water for a long time? That's a great question. So I haven't, ha- I've done, not done a deep dive. In fact, when I realized this was, this was, um, you know, at least a personal concern to me and my children. And then I realized it was maybe bigger than that. Um, I was in the middle of actually testifying in, in DC for another thing. Um, so that, that was yesterday, I guess I put this, this survey out. Right. So I haven't, I haven't done a deep dive. All I do know about that chemical is that it can embed itself like deep within the lung tissue. So if you inhale that chemical, it can, situate itself there. And it's not clear to me how long it will stay there. And as far as how long it persists in the, in the environment, I also don't know that. So you know, those are things that I, I should read up on also to educate myself and maybe to put out there to the people, especially who filled out the survey, just as an FYI, you know, this is what we know about this chemical. Well, this is still in the research stages, and I'm sure that you'll get all of that down and come back on to discuss some of that. I mean, I think, uh, and Don, I think uh, we, we probably should use this opportunity to explain some of the reasons why you do the kind of activism you do with the environment and else, else otherwise, because I think people don't understand that they have to be active participants in their own well-being, not only for themselves, but environmentally, which affects them and others as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that we take too much for granted in terms of like industrial activity. I mean, in fact, this other testimony that I was doing, it was, um, it was bringing some visibility to things happening in pharma, right? And, mm-hmm. um, I think here in Texas, uh, we, 
have a lot of relationships with oil, the oil and gas industry, right? Mm-hmm. We may be personally involved in it as people who are employed by some of these companies. Um, we may be part of government who have certain kinds of relationship with those relationships with those companies. Um, and I think that we need to be aware that the chemicals that they produce in order for us to run our society, to be fair, right? Like we wouldn't be able to drive our cars if we didn't have mm-hmm. those products, at least at this time, we're moving towards hopefully an economy where we can can do that potentially without uh, without those products that are so damaging, I think, to our health and to the environment. But um, for the moment, we're very dependent on those uh, on those companies. And so I think at the same time, we need to be educated ourselves about what the health implications are about, you know, the products that they actually produce. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of scary to me that we can't be honest with ourselves um, and each other about that, right? I mean, there are kind of advantages and disadvantages to almost any decision that you make in life. And I think the the honesty around the health consequences of what we're doing in the oil and gas industry is so essential for us to be able to take control of our own lives, right? Even in the face of this whole um, mammoth thing that we feel like as individuals, we cannot control, having some knowledge, being educated about what our potential exposures are. And then even in some cases, being able to use that information when we see that the health consequences are very widespread, like deep and enduring, then we can actually organize to try to change that. Right. Um, because some of it might be that like, OK, well, now we have the knowledge, but we haven't been able we're not able to change anything on our own. Um, but when many of us have that information and we're all impacted in ter- like in terms of the negative sequelae, then I think that there is going to be more impetus for us to organize for change. And right now, I think it's that a lot of people are just unaware. Right. And or a lot of people just kind of think that's the price that we pay. Right. We live in a modern society. Oh, well, people are going to get cancer answer from these chemicals people i mean i i think that it's not an inevitability i think that we can change that but people do have to be aware and they have to be motivated to change it yeah and you bring an awareness to this opens the door for one of my pet subjects if you will and that is healthcare for all i mean we we have a we have a state where we we produce a lot of these chemicals that harm but at the same time we also have a state that refuses as something as simple as accepting the Medicare and Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act, which for these people who will and who do get ill from the types of industries we have in this state, they don't have affordable health care that we already are paying for uh, right. in the United States. So what are your thoughts on that? First of all, from uh, from the medical doctor point of view, as well as from an activist point of view. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's absolutely essential that we have like um, an effective um, and a like universal way to provide healthcare to people. Um, it it disproportionately is going to impact the same communities that basically get taxed with every social determinant of health. You know, when you don't have affordable healthcare, when you don't have a system that is universal. Um, I mean, with with this particular issue with the environment, right? Like we have known for some time that people living around those facilities who typically are lower income and from communities of color, that they are disproportionately impacted in terms of the health consequences of living around those facilities, right? Part of what I was trying to do with the survey, I think in trying to understand who is impacted in demographics, but also to understand the causal relationship um, between 
that particular incident on May 5th and what we're seeing now is to look at distance from those facilities, right? Which is why I asked the question of zip code, because that will give you some sense that if it's like diminishing incidence of symptoms from, you know, related to the distance from that facility, then that gives you some information about potential cause. Doesn't right? only give you a correlation, but it may also work on starting to develop causation. Correct. Correct. And it gives you some information about who in terms of demographics is more impacted than others. Right. right? We already know that it's the same groups that get disproportionately impacted in terms of access to healthcare, in terms of environmental like toxin exposure. Um, I mean, everything in terms of access to good public education, like everything. Um, And I don't know. I mean, I think it's important at at the very least to document Um, at some level. I'm like, how much harm do we have to actually prove to take definitive action on these matters? You know, like sometimes it's kind of frustrating to me. I I think that's why why what you do is so important, because what it it allows us to do is start documenting things. One of the things that the, the let's say the underclass, if you will, or those who are more affected by these issues have is they don't have the wherewithal to document these things so that they can make a case of provability on these issues. When we have activists like yourself and others in the community, generating that and generating the necessary approach, uh, teaching people that know you, you matter and know you can make a difference by taking some responsibility for engaging uh, into solving these particular, into addressing these particular problems to make sure that those who can solve them, solve them. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, I I, I totally think that it is essential to document. Um, I was surprised, like some of the work that I've done in Pearland around just holding our school district accountable on various issues, mostly having to do with racial justice issues, ultimately, um, but some other issues also, LGBT justice, like a lot of other um, things have been going on here. But I, over three years time, about three years, I continually would bring press attention to some of the things happening in our community. Um, And I thought, you know, that was worth doing for the moment in which it was happening. Right. So to galvanize people in that moment. But as it turns out, so ultimately, I ended up suing in November of last year, I ended up suing our school district for single member districts for better representation, because we have, you know, a seven person board that is at this time Mm -hmm. all white. And we have our, our population is 65% people of color here. And so, um, you know, this, this law firm actually has been very successful in other parts of Texas in winning these VRA lawsuits, these Voting Rights Act lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought this is, you know, this is the place to do it right now. And so they came in, they agreed with us. They actually filed the lawsuit in November. And what they told, what some of what they shared with me is that it is actually really helpful for people in the community to bring visibility to these issues to where there is documentation in the media of what is happening because it is proof for them that they can then reference in lawsuits. Right. And that never occurred to me as I was doing the work. I was doing it because I needed in that moment the support to be, right. to be yeah, galvanized in the community. But long term, it has impact as well because you build a case over time. It is very important. And that's why I try to get this type of coverages continuously wherever we can. And that's why I also love the work that you do. Why don't you go ahead and give me a closing statement uh, before we end this? 
Um, I think that it would be really helpful for women in the greater Houston area to fill out this survey about whether they have experienced any change in their menstrual cycle um, that is out of the ordinary. That's the important thing. So if you're normally irregular, it's not really that helpful. But if that is out of the ordinary for you in the last month from May, early May to early June, um, and I don't know how long this is going to persist, right? But at least that it started at that time, that um, would be very helpful, I think, for us to start understanding what the relationships might be in terms of exposures um, from industrial toxins and some of what we may be experiencing as symptoms and potentially diagnoses in the future. Now, Donna, I'll, I'll post your, your thing on my on the blog that goes along with this, um, this interview here. But is there a general place where you're going to place this for people to find or we're going to do this sort of a, a viral distribution? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't really have a place otherwise. Like I don't have a web. I mean, I guess I have a website from like my my um, run for school board, but like right. I, yeah, I, I don't have a. Place. Well, we'll get it out there. We'll get make sure first of all we're we're giving it this here on KPFT as well as on other networks as well as we'll make sure that to get that the the links for all uh, for that survey out. So, Doctor Donna M Murphy, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I hope you like that. That is important. Not only, even though this occurred in Deer Park, Texas, this is something that occurs all over the country. We see burning, these burning columns all over the place. And after it's done, it's as if it's all done. But there are remnants that gets left over and we have to determine if those remnants can actually harm. We uh, harm kids, harm women, harm in general. We got to do it. We've got to do it. Thank you very much, Bridge. All right, Bridge has a piece here that she wants read, and it goes as follows: um, GOP flubs reality on international for, uh, on international former leaders facing charges. Even after the federal indictment against Donald Trump was unsealed on Friday, some of the, the reflexive partisan allies struck to strange talking points. Republican Senator Mike Lee, for example, issued a written statement that need that read in part. The Biden administration's action can only be compared to the type of oppressive tactics routinely seen in nations such as Venezuela, Bolivia, and Nicaragua, which are absolutely alien and unacceptable in America. Really? It's important to understand the degree to which Republicans have gotten this backward. Italy prosecuted a former prime minister. France prosecuted a former president and a former prime minister, and their president, if I recall, went to jail. South Africa prosecuted a former president. South Korea has prosecuted a former president. Brazil has prosecuted more than one former president. And in fact, it, uh, it sent da, uh, uh, Luna da Silva to jail, even though he shouldn't have been there, but he sent him to jail. Israel was prosecuted more than has prosecuted more than one former prime minister. Germany prosecuted a former president. Portugal prosecuted a uh, former prime minister. Croatia prosecuted a former prime minister. Argentina for, uh, prosecuted a former pri president. In fact, on Sunday, Nicola Sturgeon from I think it's uh, Scotland, right? The former head of Scottish government was arrested on allegations of financial misconduct. As far as Republicans are concerned, uh, were prosecutors in each, uh, let's see, uh, prosecutors in each of these countries engaged in aggressive tactics? Are they banana republics? Should we see them 
as engaging in law enforcement tactics on par with that third world countries do? Well, no. That's ridiculous. The idea that these countries somehow lost international respect or credibility because former leaders face criminal charges is completely at odds with what actually happened in reality. And Bridge, you know what's so important about you bringing that story? The problem in America is very few people read news that doesn't concern America. And if you're only reading American news, this seems like a shock. But democracies throughout the world, they prosecute leaders who misbehave. And Donald Trump didn't just misbehave. Donald Trump put the country at jeopardy. His job used to be to ensure the safety of all Americans. Now there's rumors that I wonder how he got $2 billion for his kids from, ben, uh, from RBG. Be, uh, be, you know, the guy from uh, Saudi Arabia. I wonder how he did that. Anyhow, that's conjecture right now until proven otherwise. Maybe, they, maybe they'll come out in a trial. Okay, Michael Rudin says Shell chemical plant burned up in May resulted in possible toxic exposure downwind. This is an important news story for Texas and Louisiana. And I actually, everywhere that there are refineries, I've seen refineries burning in New Jersey. You know, so again, everywhere that there's there fires. But he says the derailment, uh, train derailments with chemicals. Look, a lot of those people are going to be in trouble in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, Eric Hayes says mandates. Yeah, we need mandates. Eric, I'm surprised that's coming out of your mouth. Uh, let's see what else we got. Alistair Waters says, hi, all. I really want to know what the problem conservatives and others have with George Soros. Well, they're not going to have George Soros to, to kick around anymore. He gives a lot of money to progressive causes, but now he's retiring and turning it over to his son, a 37-year-old person that is even more progressive than Soros. And I don't know how progressive Soros really was himself, but his son, from what I've read so far, sure is. All right. Anyhow, let's continue reading from our great people here. Uh, let's see. Bridge MCP says, imagine if you will. If this made men sterile, of course, then they would really be going at it. Thank you for the kudos. Great interview, Bree said. Michael Renza, Egberto, mind putting this up on the screen? Shell Deer Park fire was massive. You can see the black smoker. Yes, it was massive. And I will put that on the screen as soon as I find it, my brother. As soon as I find it. And here we go. From Mike, courtesy of El Miguel Rodnin. So yeah, that was a tough one. All right, we also have order on sealing in case signed by Mar uh, Magistrate Judge Edwin G. Torres in 6923. All right, uh, let's see what else we got here before I go to the next video. Uh, Michael Ren says, we cannot expect people to have respect for the law and order until we teach respect to those we have entrusted to enforce those laws. Andres Thompson. Uh, Lee Grant says, replying to Grant, to, to, um, to Bridge, trans surgery and, and treatments result in sterile. <laughs> you never, you have to put that one in, right, Lee? I love you, man. I'm not going to even comment on that one, brother. All right, let's see. Uh, what else we got here? Soros puke son. Oh, boy. All right. All right. You know, this other one is pretty cool. I love how Dana Bash 
how she took care of this young, what do I call this congressman? He's a buffoon. Just check this out and we'll take it on the other side. Dana a very contentious interview with James Jordan, one of uh, Donald Trump's lapdogs. I want you to listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side. He says point blank, he says that. point blank on tape as president, I could have declassified it. Now I can't. He says in his own words, it's on tape as part of this indictment that he did not declassify the material. Therefore, it is Dana, classified. Saying he, saying he could have, saying he could have is not the same as saying he didn't. He, he said, said now he I can't. He has declassified this material. He said that meant... Now he can't right, right because he's not president now. But when he was which president, means he that did it's declassified. He said that, which means which, that what he, he was holding was classified. No, not, not not when he not not if he not if he declassified it when he was president of the United States for goodness' sake. But he's sake. saying point Again, blank in this, this audio is, tape this that he did not declassify it. It's it, what you're okay. saying just doesn't make sense on d its face. In effect, she's telling him, look, it's in the papers. It's out of it's on tape. It's out of Donald Trump's mouth. He said this piece was not declassified and we went ahead and showed it anyhow. If I were president, I could declassify, it, says Donald Trump. When Dana says what you're saying makes no sense, it, it applied to everything Jim Jordan was saying trying to get across to the other Trump sycophants as far as creating a false narrative. It's good that Dana Bash clocked him, but it is bad that she gave him so much airtime to spew a whole lot of misinformation that those who need some sort of a validity for supporting a thug will continue to do so. So good job, Dana. But again, let's give them less airtime because you are actually helping them promote the message. But all in all, very good journalism. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, you, you listen to that and you, you have to wonder, how can you take Jim Jordan seriously? All right, let's, she tried. Okay, step one, Mr. Jordan. Donald Trump said, this paper is classified. Step two, Jordan. Donald Trump is not the president. At the time, he said the paper was classified. Step three, Jim Jordan. Donald Trump said he cannot classify the paper because he's not the president. Step four, Jim Jordan, which means the paper was classified in Donald Trump's hand, which he was showing to somebody with no classification. It's not rocket science. And that he tries to point that out, in, uh, that, that he tries to make it seem like, oh no, that's not what occurred. This is serious. This is serious. Roberto Luis, mi hermano favorito, Panamá. ¿Cómo estás, hermano mío? Saludos la gente, politics done right. Greetings to politics done right, Roberto Lewis says. John Trott says, Jim Jordan is a pitiful example of a man. Oh, I think you should really not call him a man. It's more like a boy, a little boy. That's what he really is. And if you, li if you listen to the, what Trump, the way Trump reacted also, 
uh, with all those boxes like, give me, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine. I want the box, I want the box. And when he's talking, it's mine, it's mine. That's the mind of a child. And we have the mind, we have adults following someone with the mind of a child and, and affecting the tantrums that the child has in real life. Having a guy who has access to the red button. Por favor, excusame por favor. The guy with the red button is a child. America, are you willing, are you willing to do that again? Uh, it just behooves me. It boggles the mind. Well, Dana had another good one that she did yesterday. Because as you guys know, there is a pugnacious, precocious uh, young man running for president as well. His name is Vivek Ramanswani. Okay? And Vivek thought he was going to put Dana Bash in his place as he came out there defending Trump as well. Vivek is not a stupid man. Vivek is a fairly intelligent young man. What does it take for one to limit themselves to be a sycophant, to be a lapdog of Donald Trump? What does it take? How does it make you feel? What happens to your humanhood when you do that? Well, Dana Bash, she was calm. You know, you don't have to be shouting to be effective. You don't have to be in your face to be effective. You just have to be circumspect. You just have to be cool. And that's what she did with that precocious, uh, uh, he could never be president again. Because again, most of these guys who make money the way he did, well, they may be smart in the capitalist system, but they're fairly dumb in the socioeconomic system, in the science system, etc. Check this out. We'll then take it in el otro lado. Dana Bash had two hits yesterday. One where she gave Jim Jordan uh, the necessary scolding in her own passive, aggressive kind of a way. And she did it again with uh, Vivek. Uh, I can never say his name. Vivek Ramaswamy. That's how he says it. Vivek Ramaswamy. That pugnacious little, what I call him a pugnacious little rat. He's like, you know, those kids that just can't, uh, always going for the teacher, for the teacher, and, and trying to be the smart aleck in the class. That's what he always tries to do. Well, he tried it with her, and he tried to be assertive and patriarchal with her, and she just passively say, you know, you're simply wrong. She let him hyperventilate like a kid, and then she was just circumspect, gave an answer. Check out how she handled that. We'll take it on the other side. Due respect, I think it is shameful that I, as a competitor to President Trump in this race, have to ask questions that the media isn't asking. The job of the political media, if it has one job, is to hold the U.S. government accountable. Yes, we know that. And instead, we're doing the bidding. You're seeing the media doing the bidding of the U.S. government. No. Ask the question. Get to the bottom of what Biden told Garland and what Garland told Jack Smith. If the same shoe fit the other foot, you would not take their word at face value. Do not take their word now. Get to the bottom of it. Let's actually restore journalism in this country. That's what's actually missing is Thank getting you. to the truth. Okay. Thank you for that.
We are absolutely asking these questions. Good. And we know how to be good journalists because we do it every single day. Look, there is a lot to complain about the media, but the complaint of the media shouldn't come from the likes of Vivek uh, Ramaswani. It should not come from him because the media in general defers to the right. The media in general is, uh, is complacent with the right. It is the left that they give a whole lot of questioning to and they blow up things greater than they should be. Earlier on, on my other show, I spoke about how the, the, the press should have shut down the birth certificate issued immediately because guess what? It didn't matter if Obama was born in Kenya or Thailand or anywhere because his mother was a white American citizen in from Kansas. So, I mean, there was no mistake at all that Obama, by definition, was a natural born citizen. So the, 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 when it comes to how the media works, they defer to the right and they really makes the left, uh, gives the left a very hard time. Very good, Dana Bash. Great the way you handle this smug, pugnacious person. Sometimes I wonder if he actually believes he's gonna get any kind of substantial votes. Not a chance. Absolute, not a chance. I want to, there's something, I, and I kind of alluded to this earlier today on my KPFT show, because I want, I want to point this out. I am very, I'm generally very upset at the mainstream media because they allow Republican narratives to go forth. And I, it, it, the, the narrative that irked me first was the, uh, Amer the about the, uh, Donald, about Obama being born in Kenya or Thailand or wherever. That should never even got gotten legs. Not because we know we have paperwork that show Obama was born in Hawaii. Not because that. Because we know who President Obama's natural mother was and where she was from. We know that without a doubt. So that stuff about searching and running around the world for a birth certificate. It didn't matter if Donald Trump came back and showed a birth certificate from Kenya. That would not have mattered because his mother is a white woman from Kansas. That should have closed the debate immediately. The media allowed it to go on and on and on and on. And because, as I said, too many Americans are unread, they didn't realize that the mere fact that Obama's mother was a born Kansan, it was impossible for Obama not to be a natural born citizen, irrespective of where he was born. Any doubts? Uh, Ted Cruz ran for the presidency. He was born where? In Canada. Uh, McCain was born in the same hospital I was born in. He was born in Cocosolo Hospital. Look it up. That is where I was born. I was born of Panamanian parents. He was born of American parents. He was considered a natural born citizen. So let's get this right. The mainstream media, for the sake of selling papers for the sake of putting things out there would simply go ahead and talk crap. That birtherism should never have made it past a joke because again, we knew who his father was. The same thing goes with uh, uh, death panels. 
death panels should not have gotten a, 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 the time of day. Death panels in the in the in in the word theology of the thing. Show me where there were death panels. You know where the death panels came from? The Heritage Foundation. They wanted that sort of a that sort of a training to people. So that people, when they're on their last leg, they can determine if they want extensive care or not. And that became death panels. Folks, too many of us are too gullible. Too many of us allow the politicians to use us as pawns. Too many of us don't do our homework. And look, I'm not telling you to go out there and be completely read in all the things that those of us who are activists go out there and do and find out, etc. You don't have to do it. You have us. Verify that the information I give you and others in, in, in the truth-telling field give you, earn, let us earn your trust. Make us earn your trust. And I think I've done a good job of that so far. But make us earn your trust. It is for us to earn your trust. The problem is the people on the right have not allowed anyone to earn their trust. They have given their trust because the other side have used all kinds of, of all kinds of in, innate carnal moves to convince them just to follow. All right, let's see. Michael Rodden says, restoring journalism, we could bring back the fairness doctrine, give both sides equal time to make their points when it comes to issues where two sides exist. Take note, not every population, not every position has two sides worth respecting. Some, sometimes one side is factual and the other is not. Birtherism. There wasn't one side to birtherism and another. Obama was an American because his mother was an American. Period. Punto y final. Paul Fleming says the media know that there was a bunch of Eric's out there so they could get over on him. <laughs> I know, right? Carl Cox says, suppose liberal media is not liberal. They're not, there's no, I don't know. Please help me find the liberal. You know where the liberal media is? You're listening to it. You're watching it right now. That's your liberal. I am your liberal media. Schenck is your liberal media. Okay. Uh, and a few others that I can't, that their name go past me right now. But mainstream media is not liberal. Now they try to be more factual. MSNBC goes as far as they can. And if you notice, I use a lot of clips from MSNBC because I can, I can give context where MSNBC cannot. As an example, if MSNBC, with, let's say um, uh, Ali Velshi comes out with a story, I can actually add to that story some context that he couldn't have, let's say, where he criticized a, the drug manufacturing companies I could actually point out that it's actually a form of evil. It's a form of capitalism that actually dictates that they operate that way. He cannot come out and just eat. I mean, I've seen him dog capitalism, but in a, in, a, in a more respectful way than capitalism deserves. So, you know, uh, that's where the Shank and myself and, and, uh, and uh, people like Crystal Ball and others, that's where we come in. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Lee Grant says, I can't trust a side that says boys can become girls and girls can become boys. And I know you can't trust that side because, again, the right wing has told you that genders are either male and female. And since you are hooked, my brother, in believing that, 
Then when we come and tell you, look, uh, sir, there are men, gen men who's are who are genetically male, but chemically not. And if you were able to listen to science, like my daughter has sat me down and told me, look, there's a little switch, very little switch that determines female and male characteristics, both from a biological standpoint and a character standpoint. And again, but to understand that, you can't rely on, on the stupidity that's taught on the right. Men will be men. Women will be women. There is no, uh, there is no Adam and there is no Adam and it's not it's Adam and Eve. It's not Adam and Steve, right? When when you have all those notions in your head, which I grew up that way, I was a homophobe. I was a I didn't believe any of those things. I be, I didn't believe them. I lived it, of course, after. I went to China and came back with an epiphany because a guy insulted my stupidity. All right? My stupidity was insulted. I was, I was made to feel like a fool, deservedly so. Deservedly so. All right? Uh, Paul Fleming says, Republicans act as if they have never heard of science. Republicans act as if they have never heard of children born with both male and female genitalia. So you know when you don't continue to educate yourself, you just stay in the woods. And that's a problem. And then Lee Grant says, controversial trans cyclist Austin Killips wins North Carolina race by five minutes. Power is not comparable. Well, let me tell you from an experienced cyclist like myself, okay? I cycled for a long time. And by the way, I was a good cyclist. I could average 24 miles an hour going 181 miles from Houston to Austin, okay? There were clips that we were going 30 miles an hour, and there were clips, well, you know, with the wind that were back, of course, for me. Uh, the other guys can go much faster, you know, the, those guys who do the Tour de France, etc. But let me just tell you, as fast as I could go, there were so many women out there whipping my ass, and I put that as kindly as I can. There were women out there Whipping my ass. Now, let me, let me just say this, okay? Let me just say this. I think when it, comes to, when it comes to men, women, athletics, I am open for debate because of the structural nature of physiology. And in fact, one of the reasons why I think people want to hold back puberty and all of that is to allow for the body to meet the brain, Right? Because there is, there is, there is a concern. And I don't want my trans brothers and sisters to somehow believe I'm, I am somehow, you know, I'm doing this wrong. I'm saying as a science person, one should, in fact, uh, take certain things into uh, consideration. Because if somebody transitions after puberty, where testosterone takes over the body and create the muscular structure inherent within masculinity, when I say masculinity, physical masculinity, then there, those are issues that we have to consider. And I don't exactly know how we handled it. I, you know, I mean, so when Lee Grant puts out controversial trans cyclist Austin Clips 
wins uh, North Carolina. I think it is something that does need examination, okay? Now, remember now, that's just one incident. That isn't to say some strong woman couldn't come out and beat cl clip it, their clock, okay? But that is a, those are certain things that we have to be honest about. And that comes to uh, how far, I mean, because again, let me, let me back up. Because having a trans, let's say the transitioner will likely be sterile, how is that this natural? Um, there are a lot of things that cause sterility, Lee Grant. I mean, there, there's natural sterility, isn't there? Of course there is. So, I mean, uh, that, don't, don't change the subject, dear Lee. We shouldn't do that. All right, Paul Fleming says, mine isn't fully matured until you are about age 25 to 27. So I just think that the boys should be going against boys or natural born boys and girls should be going against girls. Let's just keep it simple because create, we have enough federal dollars for transgender, gender sports. That's the easy way to take care of it. And still I continue to have this huge problem. You know, again, uh, Paul, I am very much willing to entertain all those things for real. We have to be honest about it, right? So I don't have a problem with that. Men can be born sterile, so can women, exactly. Uh, Michael says, want to talk about something interesting about women's sports? Check the fastest times for track and field. All the records are from 1970s and 1980s, back when Cold War anonymosity, anonymosity pushed female athletes towards testosterone, cocaine, and other performance-enhancing drugs. You're not going to find any trans athletes beating those old records. Personally, I find this whole thing kind of funny, as if sports fidelity is more important than LGBTQ rights. Okay, let's also hear from, uh, let's see, Bridge says, oh, I read that one already. Norm Anson says her lawless pro-Trump rulings that were smacked down on appeal means for impartiality might reasonably be questioned. Huh? Oh, wait, see. Or, oh, good, 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 good. Okay, go. okay, let's continue here. I have, oh my God, time flies when you're having fun. I have one more to play for you and I do have the time to play it. And this one is Marjorie Taylor inciting violence. So let's go ahead and do that, and then we'll take it in el otro lado. If you want to know why so many Republicans are, have become Trump sycophants, if you want to know why many Republicans continue to be the way they are, supporting a thug, it's because many of his his sycophants, many of his, uh, what, what do you call those people? Uh, those who are carrying water for him are out there scaring people to death. Want you to listen to Marjorie Taylor? She, I mean, that is what she does. It's going to get worse. It is not going to get better. It's going to get worse because they are going to continue they don't want you to ever win elections again. They do not want you to ever be able to pick who you want to live in the White House and to run this country or hold any other political office. Now, here's the deal. It's easy to say, well, who would listen to Marjorie Taylor and who would believe the things that she's saying? If you are inside of that, that echo chamber it is hard to see outside they did a great job something that progressives didn't do they are good at first demeaning your surroundings in other words 
they take they took away the credibility of everything else so that the only thing that one would listen to is them and that is the very difficult task we are going to have to break we have to make it existential to them because right now existential is what the marjorie taylors and donald trump and jim jordan and all those quacks that's what they're doing but we have the upper hand because we have a truth and we have reality we just have to bring those two into fold bring those two the truth and reality into fold the truth and reality into fold and then we can actually get things done anyway folks i hope you've enjoyed the program today uh tomorrow i have um i i have a good one that i did with uh the uh, uh, human story a better human story it, it had to do with capitalism and more uh but it was a very honest discussion uh we disagreed a bit but it was really really good so Stay tuned for that uh, interview that we're going to have. I think I'm going to play it tomorrow. I have a few others that I have to get together. And uh, pretty soon I'll be interviewing Norman Solomon. Norman Solomon has a new book out. Norman Solomon is talking about uh, the, the, you know, the war, not in the form that you, you, you think about it. So it's going to be a very, very good uh, interview with Norman Solomon when we go ahead and do that. Paul Fleming says some of, of uh, let's say some of you are uh, don't understand defund the police just like you don't understand being woke. We can explain it and explain it and explain it. You still no, it's not that they're asleep. My brothers and sisters who don't want again, remember their trust is with those guys on the right. We got to break that because they don't realize woke is a good thing. I am proud to be woke. I want to be woke. I don't want to be dumb. I don't want to be unaware. And if you're not woke, you're dumb. I repeat, if you are not woke, you're not smart. If you are not woke, you are not enlightened. If you are not woke, it's the reason you fear your shadow. Woke means I'm aware of it all. So please, brothers and sisters, stop letting the Republican Party. Notice I'm not talking about my Republican brothers and sisters. I'm talking about their leadership. Stop making them turn you into unintelligent beings. Stop allowing them to do that to you. Folks, please support the program. The program is behind in support. So I would like to ask you so kindly. I'm going to just put one link out there. I don't, I don't really have to go in there and do it over and over again. I think one link, if you really think uh, you can provide us, allow us to continue doing what we're doing, we're going to, look, uh, we've given up, for, you know, there's, there's not much, much more to give, right? Uh, we've made sure that this is the life going forward. Well, I've made sure this is my life going forward making a difference. And uh, the one thing about the right is the right invests in making sure their message goes out. And I'd like to ask all of you who can, we have some folks that have 
donated so much over the last several years. I want to thank you all for doing that, but most haven't helped us move the message forward. And this program is not the only message moving forward. It's the books, it's the blogs, it's the videos, it's everything. I'll put it on the screen right now for you. Uh, let me put it up. When Bridge asks, I say yes. Here we go, Bridge. I'm going to put that up for you right now. So here we go, folks. So again, it's important to support support. So here is that link, politicsdoneright.com slash support. It has all the different ways in which you can support the program. And I ask you so kindly to do so. Allow us to continue writing the blogs, writing the articles, putting them in newspapers, websites all over the place. We are seeding the internet with our message so that we can educate people, so that everybody won't be hearing that message that destroys us all. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics and Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.